0: Good morning, good morning. Uh, In case you don't know me, my name is Sam Powell, and it is uh, an honor to be here uh, in Brooklyn this morning. I do uh, regret that uh, Sarah has COVID and Richard consequently has the uh, quarantine as a result of that. So he was looking for someone to come and preach to you guys today. And I'm the substitute teacher. So it's, it's, it, he's been trying to get me to come uh, uh, to, to his credit. Um, uh, many times in the past, it just didn't work out. And the one time I do get to come, he's not even here. So, but uh, it's good to see all of you. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to thank you for supporting and getting behind them and helping uh, build and rebuild uh, Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn is a special place, and not just anybody can lead the Brooklyn ministry. So it takes special people to lead these special people, and so we're thankful. I know I'm thankful for all that they're doing to to minister and to help uh, meet the needs here. But thank all of you for your support and uh, your sacrifice and your devotion Uh, to the church here locally as well as the the New York City Church of Christ as a whole. Uh, We are 11 regions. We do have a new region uh, in Manhattan called our campus region uh, where we're trying to to rebuild and strengthen campus ministry uh, on this side of of the river, on the, the east side of the river. So let's pray together. I'm going to be doing a lesson today on life lessons learned from the Apostle Peter. And I'll explain it more in just a moment, but let's pray together as we get started. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you for waking us up this morning. We know that every day is a gift from you by your grace and your goodness. Help us to never take it for granted. I open wide our hearts today as we study your word. I help your spirit to speak to us and help our hearts to respond to you. Uh, thank you so much for Jesus. Uh, we lift him up. We honor him. We praise you that you sent him that he could show us how to live. We pray in his name. Amen. And so, as I said, we're going to be talking about uh, life lessons uh, learned from the Apostle Peter. I'm just coming back from uh, the conference in Orlando, uh, the, the WDS. Um, some of you had an opportunity to go. If you had to go, if you had the opportunity to go, raise your hand. All right, great, great. And uh, I had three different uh, lessons that, that uh, I was uh, able to do there. And one of those lessons was under the track of Forever Faithful. And it was me and Al Baird. And and it was supposed to be me, Al Baird, and uh, one other brother, Gordon Ferguson. And Gordon was, was ill. He couldn't make it. And so Al and I, and I couldn't understand why they put me up with those old geezers. You know, here, Al... Baird and and Gordon Ferguson, but I guess, uh, hey, it it was a great experience teaching with Al. I did give him a hard time about that because he's in his 80s, and I just turned 66 in July. So, uh, you know, this brother, he was up here talking about how I'm old enough to be his dad because Cynthia and I have been married 41 years, and what did you say? You're how old? You're 42. Okay, all right, so respect me in that manner because I am old (laughs) enough to be your dad. But we're going to have fun today just looking at the scriptures together. Uh, And so I I made some changes from that message because that message was just for men. And so we had all these brothers, and uh, it was for for people who uh, the the subtitle was those in the prime of life. And yet, uh, I believe the principles apply to all of us. Uh, I've been a disciple 47 years. And Cynthia and I have been married 41 of those years. And in those years, God has taught us a lot of things. You know, when you become a disciple, you never know the road that God's going to take you down. And I was an 18-year-old freshman at North Carolina State University in 1975 when I became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I had no ambitions to go into the ministry or anything like that but God had different plans for me and the good thing about becoming a a disciple is and we all understand uh, people sit down with us they count the cost and they try to get you as ready as possible for whatever may come your way but there is no way anyone can know everything you're gonna face and so uh, you have to have an open heart To whatever God is gonna put along your path as you strive to please him and the good thing is if you did know the things that would come your way you may not have never ever become a disciple and so God only gives you what you can bear in that moment and if you've been around at all you know that life throws you all kinds of curves that the storms of life come in all types of ways. And we're going to be talking about that some today because if there's anyone who understood the ups and downs of life, it was the apostle Peter. I mean, God raised him up, did great things through his life, but he also had some very low moments in his life. And I think the combination of those things made him the man that he was and somebody that all of us can relate to. And as much as I'd love to tell you that the Christian life is a steady climb all the way up to heaven that there's no none of this. It's just a steady incline. It is not. It is more like a roller coaster ride. And you just have to hang on to Jesus until you get to heaven. And so, life lessons learned from Peter. Here's some facts about Peter. And, and, and most of us know a lot about uh, the Apostle Peter because uh, we've read the New Testament and And we've been in the book of Acts, and we see all the great things God did uh, through his life, and as we read through the Gospels as well. So uh, Peter was one of the the original apostles. Uh, His name was Simon. Jesus changed it to Cephas, and uh, Jesus told him, Look, Peter, you're going to be the rock. You're, You're the little rock, but on this statement that you made that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, I'm going to build my church And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Uh, Peter was the only apostle that we know of that was married. And he later on became an elder in God's church. He was a fisherman. I never remember outside of Jesus helping him, of him catching too many fish, though. I don't know if he was a good fisherman, but the Lord, a couple of times the Lord helped him, He, he had a great catch. But other than that... I, most times I read he was coming up empty uh, he was he was he was he he had a brother His brother Andrew was also an apostle and Andrew was the one who brought Peter initially to Jesus as we read in the book of John uh, he was part of Jesus in a circle and there and a lot of times we read in the Bible like on the Mount of Transfiguration that Jesus was there with Peter James and John and then when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, he went off to pray and he asked Peter James and John to be with him so he was a part of that three-man inner circle. He walked on water. Incredible. So we only know of, of two people in the history of mankind who have ever walked on water, and that's Jesus and Peter. Yeah, he did sink, but at least he did take a few steps on water. Uh, he denied Jesus, not once, but three times, and, and everybody knows about that fact in his life. Uh, he, he uh, as I mentioned Uh, gave the message on the day of Pentecost, which shows us that even though he had faults, the Lord never stopped believing in Peter and still used him in a great way. Uh, He was known as one of the pillars of the church. Uh, Paul even made that statement uh, when he was talking about men like James and men like Peter, who really uh, were uh, individuals that helped strengthen the church, who led the way in those early days. He wrote two of the letters, two of the epistles uh, in the New Testament. And we're going to be looking at a couple of scriptures from those in just a moment. He was an elder of the church, which meant that he was not only married, but he had at least one child, if not more. And so uh, uh, he uh, he announces himself that in in his letter in in, in 1 Peter. And then he was known to have been crucified upside down. That's what tradition says. Now, I'm going to throw this in for free. And if you're visiting with this, I hope this won't upset you. But there is nothing in the Bible that says that Peter was the first pope. That's not in there. Now, some people believe that, but we don't have anything in the Bible that says that. So I want to throw that in there for free uh, so that you can uh, put that in your notes as well. So let's look at some scriptures together. We're going to look at two scriptures. We're going to read both of them, and then we're going to make a couple points just lessons we can learn from from what Peter wrote here. Uh, The first is 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, in verse 3, we'll start there, 2 Peter 1, verse 3, uh, which says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. and the brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. So that's our first scripture, Second Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. Our second scripture is 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 8. So we're looking at the first chapter of 2 Peter and the first chapter of 1 Peter. And in this verse, Peter wrote these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you until the coming kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer all kinds of, suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy where you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I love the way this scripture starts off. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, there are times in our life, disciples, we need to just stop and give praise to God. You know, sometimes in your quiet time, it doesn't need to be anything about what you want, anything about what you need. It just needs to be all about praising God. Just like the song that we just sang. You know, praise the Lord, O my soul. I mean, that's, that's from Psalm 103. You know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I mean, and, and it, it just, it tells us all the great things that the Lord has done for us. And so we need to, to often just be still and consider how awesome, how great, how amazing our God is and how good he's been to us, and just praise him, honor him, exalt him, extol him, Just marvel at how great he is because his greatness is really beyond our comprehension. We need to praise him for his mercy, praise him for his grace, praise him for his love, praise him for his patience, praise him for all his blessings, praise him that you woke up this morning because there are people who were here yesterday who are not here today. And God has showered his love on you. And so I take time, and I've I've been memorizing different psalms so that I can just praise God. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases. I mean, who redeems your life from the pit, and, I mean, all the great things that God does for us. We just need to hold on to those things. So let's get into these two lessons, life lessons, that I want to talk about today that we can learn from what Peter has written and from Peter's life. Now, the list is much longer, but we can't be here all day, right? You don't want to be here all day. You've got things you need to go and do. I've got things I need to, need to go and do, and, and we need to go and put into practice what the Bible is teaching us uh, for, for, for the remainder of the day. And so the first lesson, never stop growing. Never stop making progress in your spiritual life. I don't know if you caught it in, in, that, in that first passage that we read in First Peter uh, 2 and verse 9 where Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and the goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and the self-control, perseverance, and the perseverance, godliness, and the godliness, brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's telling us there that we need to continue to add. You start with the faith, but then you add to that faith. And today, the greatest need in the church, hear me now, the greatest need in the Brooklyn region is for mature disciples who can be counted on to give glory to God and help others to grow in their faith. The greatest weakness in the church is stuck disciples. People who've come to a point And their spiritual walk, where they're not going forward anymore, but they're just there. And that hurts the church, slows the church down, and it's not good for any of us spiritually. When you became a disciple, all you thought about was how much you wanted to do for the Lord, how much you wanted to grow in the Lord. Let me ask you, where are you spiritually this morning? Are you still growing? Can you write down, I am growing in these areas in my life. This is what I'm working on right now so that I can be more like Jesus, so that I can get more done for God, so that I can help God's church to move forward. This is what I'm focused on. Are you just here? You just show up. You know, I was reading a book, and in the book, one of the, the comments that was made is how sometimes disciples are saved from the world and lost in the church. Saved from the world, but lost in the church. Because they got saved, but then they come into church and they're, they're, they're just lost. There's no focus. Their priorities are out of whack. And they're just going through the motions. They're on the church roll, but they're having no impact. That's not what we signed up for. That's not what gives glory to God. What does Peter tell us? He says, make every effort to add to your faith. You've got to make the effort. We can't remain where we are spiritually. Now, one of the most convicting things to me, and I love the New York City Church of Christ. Great church. Man, you guys are awesome. I mean, we've done so many incredible things for God. You know, I think even you know about our missions uh, contribution and the sacrifice that so many of you've made. That for 13 consecutive years, we've given more than a million dollars for mission. and that's come. You may think, well, Sam, that little hundred dollars I gave, I didn't think it made it. It makes a difference, all right. And so I'm proud of the church and and all the great things that God has done. But one of the things that convicts me more than any is that we don't have enough mature, godly, strong men first. Men. And then we need to continue to help our sisters. When Paul sent Timothy and Titus to different churches, you know what he told them to do? He says, I want you to go and appoint elders in every town. Just go back. You can go read in Titus 1, verse 5. Paul says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. Well, when you look at the qualifications for an elder, they're high, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, self-controlled. I mean, he's got to have a great marriage. He's got to have kids that, or at least a kid, and those children can't be wild and disobedient. You know, they 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 they, they can't be you know, locked up and and strung out somewhere. They don't have to be perfect. But they got they got to, they, they got to be obedient. Well, when I look at the the, the New York Church, and, and I was thinking about this and praying about this, and and the church started in 1984. And that's, you know, 30-plus years ago. There have been 13 men that I can remember that have been appointed elder in the history of the church. And in the inner city, I can think of one native New Yorker that's been appointed elder, and that that, that, uh, uh, Dale Porter, Dale Porter, the only one I can think of. Every other guy came from someplace else to New York. What does that tell you? Brothers, we got to grow. we got to grow spiritually. Because what anchors the church is not just having an evangelist or someone up teaching you, because the real work of the church is done when the service is over. And it's, it's done when no one, in places where people don't normally see. It's done in the fellowship. It's done in in, in people's homes. It's done outside of Sunday and midweek. That's where the real work takes place. And we need men like you and me to grow spiritually, to get strong in the Lord, so we can give glory to God, so we can be counted on. So that we, whether we become elders or not, we need to understand what those qualifications are And strive to have those virtues, those attributes in our lives. Because it gives glory to God and is what makes the ministry steadfast. You see, the church has to stand on the shoulders. Disciples, we stand on Jesus first, but we need one another. And we need strong, godly men who love their wives and love their children and who who are consistent in their devotion to God, who are in the word every day, who are in prayer every day, who don't shrink back, who don't give in to sin, but stand strong in Jesus Christ. That's what we need in the church today. And And that's what will make the difference. God's plan is to have a church Of growing and mature disciples starting with the men who can save the world and strengthen the weak and Peter was one of those guys and Peter shows us you can get knocked down and get back up and do something great for God can you imagine interviewing Peter after He denied Jesus three times. He wasn't ready to write this letter. What happened, bro? Well, you know, man, uh, I really just tried to keep my distance because I think if they they caught me, then the other guys might have gotten caught too. He didn't make any excuses. Matter of fact, that third time, he caught Jesus eye to eye. The Bible says he wept bitterly. His heart was cut. He was broken. But even in that, Peter shows us the kind of heart that God wants us to have. That we should never get to a point where we're callous or the word or, or, or wrongs that we commit don't bother us anymore. But God wanted a man whose heart was tender enough that he would weep at his shortcomings. And it's sin. You see, as we, as we start this journey, the Bible says you need to make every effort. Make every effort. Peter was not even ready for the trials that would come his way. When Jesus told them, look, all of you are going to desert me, Peter, what was Peter's comment? No way! No way! How many people have gone down in the waters of baptism? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That he was raised on the third day. Yes, I do. What is your good confession? And we all know Jesus is Lord, and they're jumping up and down. Man, we can't, we can't even hold them back. It's like, I'm ready to do this. But they don't know what's coming. They don't know what's coming. Some of us, the people that study the Bible with us are no longer around. Praise God, you're still here. But just being here is not enough. How are you doing? Have you gotten knocked back, knocked knocked down? Have you you just started going through the motions? No, your faith is going to be tested. No, Jesus tried to help Peter get ready. In Luke 22, verse 31, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Has your faith failed? And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers, look, anybody can start this race. The challenge is, are you going to finish it? And you don't just don't want to I mean, I know we're thinking, man, I just want to get to heaven. Well, don't just limp into heaven. Soar into heaven. Don't just come up there, Lord, Lord, it's good to see you, Lord. I just, I just, woo, Ah, thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm glad I went to midweek this last week because you came. I'm glad I was there. It's not how you wanted to be. Look, no one knows where this journey is going to take you but one thing you can know that no matter what you're going through, no matter how challenging it may be, the Lord is with you. He will never leave you. Am I right, church? He will never leave you or forsake you. You've got to hold on to that. And he still believes in you just like he continued to believe in Peter. The real issue a lot of times Is do we continue to believe? Do we believe? You see, the Bible says here, He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. See, when you're going through a trial, it doesn't seem like a little while, does it? Some of us, we're sitting here, we've been disappointed. Our Christian life has not turned out the way we we hoped it would be. We're disappointed. I mean, it's like, look, man, I I thought by now I'd be married. That that I have, by now I'd have not just children, but maybe grandchildren by now, Sam. Sam, you know, I got married, man. I didn't think we'd be going through this. We got married as Christians, man. We both were baptized. I didn't think we'd be... Fighting through this kind of stuff. And, and, and look, look, my, my health, my finances. Man, I thought I'd be out of Brooklyn by now. I thought I'd been made, made it up when I'd be down in Florida somewhere by now, Sam. Not what I not what I hoped it would be. And God knows these children that the Lord gave me. They're the the, the children that my wife birthed. You didn't tell me that they were going to test my faith like this. All kinds of trials. You know, I think about disciples who have recently left the church because they weren't ready for the trial. You know, they, they got disappointed in what some church leader did or didn't do or what some family group leader did or didn't do. Let me tell you something. You can't be here for people. You can't be here. You can't be here for an evangelist or a deacon or a friend. You can't be here. People who've been around, they'll tell you. The people you start with, you most likely will not end with. The one person you started with was Jesus. And you need to make sure you end with Jesus. If you don't end with anybody else, you make sure you end with Jesus. And say, well, Sam, what's the secret to making your marriage work for 41 years? Well, the secret is Cynthia is in love with Jesus more than she's in love with me. And I'm more in love with Jesus than I am with, in love with her. And that's what makes it work. But if you're just in it for the person, look, I don't care who the man is. He ain't good enough to be your God. I don't care how handsome he is, he ain't good enough to be your God. And there definitely ain't no woman who's worth you trying to make be your God. Now, I know she might try to run your life like you you should be. She should be your God. But there there ain't no woman worth your salvation. None. Not one. I've never met a woman that was beautiful or, or gorgeous or glorious enough to go to hell for. I ain't met her yet. And so the trials are going to be there. Some of us, we, we, got, we dated, we got engaged. It didn't work. You were tested. I think about other challenges the, ch- the church has faced lately with racial injustice and, and the women's role, and we've had people walk away because they think, didn't think the church did enough in these areas. Well, I'm here for Jesus. And I know the answer to the world and even the answer to injustice is Jesus. It's changing one person at a time. And if I get up here and make some radical statement about something, it ain't going to change nothing. The world ain't been able to fix it all these years. How are we going to fix it? The way we're going to fix Brooklyn is we're going to help people become disciples of Jesus. That's the only way we can do it. So enough on that. All kinds of trials. It's Tony and Jaleesha King. They're awesome. Yesterday, Tony did the funeral for Jaleesha's father. They're down in Jacksonville, Florida. And on Friday, they were getting ready for the wake and family was together. And during that time, Jaleesh's brother had a heart attack and died. So they're getting ready for a funeral on Saturday and have a death on Friday. I'm, I'm talking to Tony, and he's just broken in tears, just grieving. We pray together, brother. Hang in there. But the thing I appreciate about both of them, and, and they're, they're really in the middle of it right now, because they went down to prepare for one funeral, now they got to get ready for another one that they didn't see coming. And you think you're going through something right now, right? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, right? That's what, what, I, that's what we think. But my conversation with Tony showed me the strength of his character and the depth of his faith, faith in God. Brothers and sisters, life is not fair. And it's not easy. And it's not predictable. And there may be some things coming your way that may knock you to your knees. That may just knock the wind out of your sails. I'm here to tell you, you got to make sure that your roots and your anchor is in the Lord. That Jesus is your fortress that he is your refuge, that he is your ever-present help in time of need. It can't be anybody else or anything else. You've got to be rooted in the Lord because the trials are coming, Brooklyn. It's not over yet. We've been through it, and we're going to go through it again because that's what life, life is just about those things. And so what we've got to understand is that our trials refine us and our trials define us. God is always trying to remove the impurities from our faith and, and, and you think it's something else and really it's the Lord saying, look, I'm trying to teach you that, that you can only rely on me. You're going to get there. You're going to learn this one way or another. You got to learn this lesson. And then we've seen many come and go because it wasn't the trial that took them out, necessarily. It was the trial that just exposed where they already were. The trials trial is just going to show where you are. Or if you're faking it or not, because it's coming. It's coming. You know, I've been around 47 years, not because I'm so strong, It's because I know the only place I can go is to the Lord. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Trust in him at all times, O people. Halt your hearts to him, for God is our refuge and our strength. I have to look to him. And then my final point, life lessons learned from Peter. Never give up. Never stop growing. Keep growing. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. Continue to serve. If you're not doing anything, raise your hand. Get involved. You can't grow if you don't get out there and serve. That's how you grow. That's how I grew. I didn't know how to lead a Bible talk, but then I got one and I messed it up and I was terrible, but I kept trying until I got better at it. Man, I wasn't good at preaching, and I kept trying. I don't know if I'm good at it yet, but I kept trying. I keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. But I'm not going to go anywhere if I don't do anything. you got to grow. And the only way you can grow is you got to exercise your spiritual muscles. And then finally, you never give up. You know, brothers and sisters, world is scary out there. It's scary out there. You remember the the, the the second scripture we read where it says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and His great mercy, He's given us. You know, you know all that. And then he, he concludes it for you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look, the world is crazy. Crazy out there. you you've been reading the news lately. I mean, New York is not a safe place, people. And the only safe place to be in this life is in Jesus. You know, I was looking at the news the other day, and I don't know where it was. It was in some foreign country somewhere, and a truck just comes barreling through, running over people, killing people left and right. Guys, brakes went out, I think 19 people. He killed 19 people in some country somewhere. And, and you, know, you might be thinking, man, I would have been quicker. I would, I would, I would, they wouldn't have got me. Well, as if you would have seen it coming. World's crazy. You know, we got brothers and sisters from Kiev that, you know, we were able to encourage at the conference. But it's crazy out there. People dropping bombs. You don't know what's going to happen out there in the street today. And sometimes we, we're like, man, I wish this hadn't happened. Or, or you know, why does God let good, bad things happen to good people or whatever? Look, if you're in Jesus, no matter what storms come, you're going to be all right. But if you're not in Jesus, you need to be scared right now. All right? Because there's, there's nothing that can protect you. Everything else in this life is temporary and perishable. No matter how many airbags you got in your new car, you still can die in it. I mean, there's, there's some people, I mean, they, they, they turn the heater on and it's carbon monoxide. I mean, there's just so many ways to go out. You can die on a chicken bone. I mean, anyway, you can go out so many ways. Brothers and sisters, you got to understand, we're not living for this world. And yes, do the best you can. Enjoy life. Have a blast while you last, but don't live for this life. Say, well, Sam, I'd be so much happier if I had a, a, a nicer apartment. Then you got a higher rent. And then you don't want nobody to come over and sit in your nice stuff. Take your shoes off, like like your place is holy ground. Well, I wish I had a nicer car. Well, the guy with the broke-down car, he ain't worried about nothing. Break in it. Go ahead and break in it. (laughs) But your new car, you're like, man, the brother need to finish up because I got to go out there and check on my car. I got to check on my car right now. Somebody scratching up my car but if you ain't got no car, you you ain't worried, right? I mean, it's like I'm thankful for everything that God's blessed us with, but there was a time when we had nothing and I had no worries. Now, some of y'all worried about the stock market because you got something in it. At one time, you didn't even know what a stock market was. A stock, stocking up the market, marking up the stock, what is that? I have no idea what that is. So I ain't worried about it. Brothers and sisters, we're living for a crown that will last forever, not for this world. Are you, are you getting And so don't envy the people out there. Don't envy them. Why? If they don't have Jesus, they don't have what will last. They're lost. And, and really, the thing that, that blows my mind is how many people are out there trying to make this life heaven. And for for those of us who are disciples, this life, this life, man, it's not this world. It's not our home. But for people who are not disciples, this is all of heaven they will ever know. And that is sad. That is sad. And so as we bring this to a close, Peter says, Therefore, my brothers, I left this part out, but I want to throw it in here now. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager and sisters to make your calling election sure. For if you do these things, what's the next statement? If you do these things, what? You will what? Never fall. What a promise. And will receive a rich welcome until the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're striving for. Living for Jesus is worth it in this life and in the life to come. And anybody who doesn't have Jesus, they don't have life. And we need to give them an opportunity to have the life. So listen to me. Listen to me as I bring this to a close. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how bad it's been up until now. Get your eyes back on Jesus decide, I'm going to start growing again. I'm going to start making a difference again. I'm going to do what I signed up for in the first place. You know, one of the challenges I gave at the conference is I asked people, if we counted the cost with you today, would you still be a candidate for baptism? How many of you would still make it, that we would still be ready to put you in the water if we we count the cost with you right now? This was Sam at one time. I was I don't know, but no. You should be as ready now as you were the day you got back. So here's, here's my challenge. Stay after this thing. I'm gonna read an old poem to you, and it's called Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, am I right? When the road you're trudging seems all uphill. You ever feel that? When the funds are low and the debts are high, can anybody relate? Yeah, well, you decided to buy those uh the, that pocketbook of those those name brand shoes, that's on you. And you want to smile, but you have to sigh when care is pressing you down a bit. Rest if you must. Help me out. But don't you quit. All right, let's go to the next one. What happened here? Oh, I, I went too fast. I went too fast. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm back. I'm back. All right. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Life is queer, we don't have to talk like that anymore, with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a fella turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late When the night came down, how close he was to the golden crown. I left out one. But here's the point. Never, never quit. Don't quit. There are going to be times when you feel like giving up. There are going to be times when you don't feel like going to midweek, which is easier than ever now because it's on Zoom, but some people don't even make that. There are going to be times when you don't feel like sacrifice. Is it worth it? I don't know. Man, it's hard. Look, don't give up. It's worth it. Peter went through all this stuff. He got knocked down. He, he got in, crucified, upside down. But one thing he did not do is he, he just never gave up. And neither can you. I don't know if this message helped you today. I pray that it did. But I want to encourage you. We're all in this together, Brooklyn. We're all in this together. And you just got to make sure you hold on to your faith and let's get out there and help this lost world to find what we found in Jesus Christ. God bless you. I'm supposed to pray for communion. Let's bow together. Our God and Father in heaven, help us to... Remember Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he showed us through his death what it means to trust in you, to rely on you, to believe in you. He showed us through his death what total sacrifice is. And he's asked us at this time to remember his death, remember what he sacrificed. As we go into our week, we can imitate his heart and that we can empty ourselves as well and die to ourselves so that we can give you glory. As we take this bread, which represents his body, and as we take this cup, which represents his blood, help us to walk in his steps. Thank you for his amazing love, his amazing sacrifice. God, we honor him as we commune together. In Jesus' name, amen.